Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 64. In this episode, we have Lana Bajinski joining us. Uh, Lana is a senior animator over at Blizzard Entertainment and has been working on the uh, Heroes of the Storm series for quite some time. Uh, Lana also is leading up the uh, animation boot camp for GDC. And so we have plenty to talk about in this podcast. Uh, she was a great guest. She was um, very enthusiastic about the subject of animation, which made it a lot of fun, uh, as well as quite humorous. So um, check out this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us in this podcast. Um, we always like to thank our guests. We know that you guys have a life and um, people appreciate uh, hearing the podcast. So we just appreciate you taking the time and uh, joining us in this podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. It feels like a long time coming, so I'm yes. glad we can finally make it work. <laughs> uh, Lane and I have been working uh, via Twitter for quite some time now, so uh, this is, uh, uh, I think, who was it? I forget her name, Lashes, that's in Twitter? Bethany. Uh, Bethany. She. I saw her that she said, yay, all right. Yeah. So, um, so we finally got it going. So yeah, I really just appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Um, I always like kind of getting behind the, uh, the artist and kind of seeing how they came into this art form that we all love. So just kind of how did you come into animation? Was this something that you always looked to do or was it a particular game or movie that kind of sparked that interest in you? And uh, also, how did you get your training and uh, get into this field here? Sure. I, I feel very fortunate that my life has always been very immersed in art in some way. Um, my parents met on stage in a musical and, you know, my, my mom kept acting and, and what even when I was really little, I sort of, I like to say I sort of like grew up in the back of a theater. I, it was so young, but my mom was still acting and directing. And I just remember loving that sort of that acting element. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an actor someday. But I get sort of intense like my adrenaline goes too crazy maybe <laughs> to be an actor um which was really lucky for me because i i also love computers a lot and just like hanging out with computers and playing video games and you know fiddling around with software and in the high school that i went to uh, in edmonton alberta where i'm from it was actually an, an art school and they had a program called applied graphic arts and in that class there was a photography web design and animation unit in the classes in animation when I first found it I was like oh what a fun hobby I've found and uh, they so they had this one class and then they had two more animation classes after that where there was straight up animation and as I got more into it it was sort of like these merging of my two loves of like hanging out with the computer and like doing stuff and filling around um, the technology and <laughs> and acting in a way um, except for I wasn't the, the one doing the acting I could have right. somebody else in front of me playing the part um, and as for, I, that was, I think I made my first animation, I was like 15 years old or something, and I just loved it. It was like a tutorial walkthrough where you, is in Cinema 4D, and you had to like make all the different props, and you made a very, very simple rig for them, and it spun around, and it made a logo, and then exploded. And it was like, oh, this is so badass, this is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever done. And uh, my animation teacher, Mr. David DeBersier, was so awesome. He and he pulled me aside after I'd been doing this for like a couple of years, and he pointed at a poster, like posters he had on the wall for A Bug's Life. I think there was one for Warcraft, um, maybe The Incredibles. I can't remember the exact posters now, but he goes, "You see the posters?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "People get paid to make those." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I can make." this is my job. And with his help, I, I did some research on different universities. Um, and I ended up at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco, California. Okay. And uh, it was a fantastic program that was sort of, I went there because I thought even if the program is really crappy, that there's enough animation industry in the area that I will probably find a community nice. that can help me get where I need to go. And that was pretty much it. Very cool. So now, um, how quickly out of college you were you able to start working in the field? Um, I got an internship at Blizzard in 2012 while I was- That quick, junior. huh? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that, that, that was when I was a junior and then I went back and I finished my degree. And while I was an intern, I talked to my boss at the time and I was like, so end of my internship, would you hire me back? And he goes, yeah, I would. And I was like, nice, I'll talk to you in a year. And the year, 
went by. I graduated and I was like, okay, Blizzard, I'm ready. And they were like, we aren't ready because they were having sort of the big, like, I think infamous fallout of, of, of the project that would become Overwatch. Mm. And so they had sort of sucked all these other people into the company while they like rebooted the pro the pro the project. And then they were like, can you wait a year? And I was like, hell no, I can't wait a year. I'm an immigrant. I need a job. I got a visa. And um, so I did a year of like weird freelance illustration at this delightful company um, called Visual and Creative in San Francisco. Um, and then as soon as, as soon as they could, I got, I got a text one night. I was in my crappy apartment and just like the sketchy part of the mission. And I got a text from my old boss at like 8.30 that was like, yo, you want to move back to OC? And that was it. Maybe Very cool. Back as soon as possible. Okay, now we've got feature animation, we've got creature animation, we've got game animation here at iAnimate. What was it for you that made you want to go the game anim animation path? I loved video games growing up. Hmm. I wasn't allowed to play video games growing up. Okay. I, or I was, I was allowed. I wasn't allowed to own video games growing up. So we had a, a PC, which my parents were like, for documents. And I was like, yes, <laughs> documents. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we did have some games on, on the PC, but like no consoles. And I was obsessed with them. I think the first time I, I saw an animation in a game that I went, I went, wow, that's a cool animation. Like the first time I thought about the word, that it was a, a unique thing was Jack and Daxter. Oh, okay. Maintain has the world's most perfect double jump in the history of <laughs> double jumps. It still feels great, holds up, great job, whoever made that. Um, so good. Uh, and then I loved Blizzard games. I played a ton of StarCraft growing up. And so when I went to university, it, it was just, I like games, I like fun, I like competition. Mm -hmm. And, but when I showed up in university, I was like, everybody's like, what do you want to do? I want to work for Pixar. Oh, what do you want to do? I want to work for DreamWorks, like whatever else it was. And I was like, oh, I want to work for Blizzard. And people were like, you want to make a video game as an animator? And they treated me like, like a second class citizen <laughs> very briefly until, of course, through pressure. I was like, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Got you guys. I'm cool too. Um, and uh, when I was in university, I kind of shifted, and I uh, creature animation took my heart, like in a serious way. Okay. Where it's not like I for, for I obviously didn't forget about animating for games because I work in animate in games, but um, uh, Tippet Studio and Industrial Light and Magic like inspired me so much. I I when I got to that point, I was like, man, all I want to do is make monsters fight now. And I was really bad at it for a long time, but I was like, man, if they just like trying to get the impact right and trying to make things like touch each other in digital space, I just, I loved sort of like the, the puzzle of putting that together. Um, uh, and then in my junior year, somebody I knew sent me a link and they said, Blizzard's hiring an animation intern. I've never seen that on their website before. I thought of you. And I was like, oh man, Blizzard, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'd forgot about them for, for like the couple of years that I was there. And I applied for the internship and like three months later, they contacted me for a test and I did the test. And, and it was like I'd forgotten about games, focused so hard on getting into a creature house. And then it was like, remember me? And I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? And then that was where I'm at now. But you're animating uh, creatures and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there you go. Worked out really well for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to move my camera just a little bit. All right, there we go. Um, so now as an intern, how long before you came on full-time? Um, I was an intern for three months. And it, it was great because I never felt like I was an intern. Like there's some work that I did that was definitely ramping me into the project. But I, I, I think looking back on it and thinking about hires we've had since then, it was like, oh, you're here and we're giving you these sort of smaller tasks because other people, A, don't have time to do them, and B, you're like learning. I had to learn 3D Studio Max, which I'd never worked in before. And of course, the pipeline I'd never worked with, like Perforce or any of the sort of tools to make sure, like the file tools. I'm really technical, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, it was sort of like a, just like a three-month ramp and process to doing 
the same work that the other animators were doing, which is pretty cool. Mm. Where I started my internship doing like I animated all of the units flailing like this for StarCraft II, Heart of the Swarm, <laughs> which is a big deal. <laughs> um, and then I got to do some of the dances for some of the characters, which is a bigger task. And then by the end, I was animating heroes for what would become Heroes of the Storm. Mm. So I just sort of got ramped into that pipeline. And then I finished my degree. There's a year of me finishing school. And then I had slightly less than a year of doing the weird freelance illustration gig. And then they brought me back full time. So two years between internship and full time. Very cool. And now you're a senior animator over there? Yes. That's killer. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And, and how long have you been there total? Um, I just hit five years in, wow. in February. Very, very cool. So now, okay, I got to ask now, what do your parents think about working at a video game place? Well now, well, now my mom jokes and she says that she knew that I would rebel and I would, the heart wants what, you know, <laughs> your parents say you can't have this makes you want it that much more. So hey, parents are wise, right? Yeah, parents huh? are wise. Yes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that just like 20-year foresight on what my future would be is great. Really, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Um, now, was there much animation there at, in Alberta? That um, uh, I mean, I went, the Vic, the high school that I went to, Victor at the time it was Victoria Composite School for the Performing and Visual Arts, which sounds like very hoity-toity, pretentious, like... Mm -hmm. Art school, but it was kind of like a crappy, rundown, inner city high school with this incredibly robust art program. So it it was like this crappy building with amazing classes and amazing teachers. Mm. In a way that I didn't even know until I was hitting university and taking classes, and I'm like, man, I learned this when I was 13. What is going on? This is this is what university is? I got it. Um, so they definitely like have like arts and animation programs and a lot of, there's a lot more of it starting up, but other than Bioware, there wasn't really anything while I was growing up. And even then I wasn't aware of Bioware. I was really mm. bad at like remembering names of companies, just games I like to play. And so what was your, so you couldn't have consoles or anything like that growing up. What was your first console you owned? My first console I got like a year ago. Cause I just, I, I, I do too much work outside of work that for a long time I was like, I'm not gonna, I had like a really shitty computer so I couldn't play video games because I love them so much that I won't do anything else. Mm. And now I'm like, it's time. Okay. Two years ago, I got my first console into the PlayStation four. Okay. And okay. I, I steal my friend's switch almost 90% of the time. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I'm a Nintendo guy. I grew up playing Nintendo, so I, mm -hmm. I, I got my butt whooped the other night by my 15-year-old son at Super Smash Brothers, which was pretty humbling, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Raising them right. <laughs> uh, I think what, uh, what would be cool is for all the animators out there is to, is to hear, like, some of the things you wish uh, someone told you when you started, like, what, you know, how to prepare, how to come into the industry, or what kind of skills are useful, or, you know, you know what to expect. I think that's something, uh, I've been thinking about that for a while, and, and thinking about, you know, when we do these podcasts, and, you know, what kind of questions have we missed, and I think that's one. It's like, what should, um, what are some of the lessons that you wish you had learned before starting, or what are the things you wish you could have gotten to know before jumping into the industry? Man, I feel like I have so many different answers for that question. <laughs> go for it. Just let it out. Like this. Okay. Like let's just just let's blaze through it. Let's go for it. I have a so, smile. So, unlike like if you're in school, you're or you're starting school, you're you're considering getting into it. I think the biggest lesson I wish I knew was understanding that I need to know the tools before I can perfect the art. Mm. So whether you are learning drawing and you're learning how, like, how to confidently draw a circle or confidently draw a line, or if you are learning Maya and you are stumbling around the program because you forget how to navigate, like really, really simple, like knowing the tools before perfecting the craft is super important. And then thinking, 
doing things like a bouncing ball assignment, I feel like I really took for granted how much that is Oh, my. Yeah. Like, it feels like you're going so slow where I'm, like, dreaming about animating monsters fighting each other. I'm like, <laughs> ugh, three different weights of a ball. Like, it's wasting my time. Give me the full body rig. But, like, understanding the principles, like, intrinsically, like, ingrained into the fabric of your being, like, the matrix, seeing them in real life and what do they look like you know, on paper is, is sort of, there's tons of books of how they look on paper, but what do the principles look like in the graph editor? Mm. How do you apply them in like an, in an analytical way so that you understand what's happening in your scene so you know when something feels wrong? Mm. Like, for example, there was a, a walk cycle uh, for work that I was editing recently. Somebody else had done the walk cycle and, and somebody asked me to take a pass at it. And I was looking at it for a long time and trying to figure out like what exactly felt wrong about it. And then going into the root control, I could see that the root was like dipping instead, like where it should be sort of doing that bouncing ball thing and like hitting it. That's more sharp, like, sharp when it hits, right? It's not a, it's not an easy, yeah. sharp, it, sharp, it was sharp at the top, which was making her feel really heavy mm. rather than like round. So you can, feel like they're running and bouncing and keeping that momentum against the gravity. And it's just a bouncing ball. Like everything is just a bouncing ball and understanding if you can make a nice bouncing ball, if you can make a great bouncing ball, that's the same <laughs> principles that you're going to be applying to everything and not trying to rush through things because that's when you have a harder time in the end, I think. Mm. And so like understanding the principles at like a deep level. Mm. And then the last thing I probably wish I understood was like the industry is is massive and I don't mean the games industry or the films industry but the animation industry is so much broader than just Pixar or just Blizzard or just any of these AAA like big name massive studios because there's animation and advertising there's animation there's animation everywhere yeah and even just this past year you know I met this really fantastic individual named Youssef Cole, and he's the lead animator for the Patriot Act with mm. Hassan Minhaj, which mm. I just found out how to say his name. <laughs> um, and in, like, that's an incredible animation job and also doing like involving subject matter that is more like heavy hitting and like, there's just so many opportunities for animation outside of like the main studios that you hear about. And not right. that those are bad goals, but there are so many ways to get where you want to be and so many experiences to have outside of uh, a character lip sync. Yeah. And, and do, do you find, like, no, we're going to make this into a discussion. I feel like this is, we should try this just once. Uh, do you find that, um, that students are, are, I don't know. Are they are they being uh, uh, you know sold a false dream of what's like to work at a giant studio, or or they're not educating themselves about you know other other like you said you know you know working at you know in different I want to say different industries, but taking a different path. You know, I always I promote. I say, hey guys, one of the fastest way to grow is to start uh, to start a small industry, which they throw you at problems after problems after problems. And there is no, there is no super support. Like, you know, I could have a team of 800 people with, you know, 20 TDs, you know, 15, you know, 15 kind of directors, you know, four different art directors for a massive game. Right. So there's a lot of directors mm -hmm. and a lot of support. But when I started, I started at a small studio and it was like, it's like, the owner says, hey, we don't have to do this. Can you make this happen for Friday? Because we have a client coming in and we made a promise. <laughs> yeah, so I find, like, out, huh? Do you find that students are, are missing out? What's your thought about that? I guess. I, I think that keep, like, keeping the dream to immediately starting at a massive company with tons of support is, yeah, I think they're missing out because when you're, you're, when you're thrown in the deep end, which often happens on those smaller teams where you have to wear a bunch of different hats, um, you just, you're forced to grow. It's a very, it's sink or swim. And if you sink, there's still lessons there. Mm. Like, and if you're starting in a smaller studio, chances are the stakes are lower. So if you sink, it's not like, wow, that was so much time and money down the drain. It was like, hey, well, that was like this little project we're doing. That was this yeah. milestone. Bummer, move on. Yeah. Or maybe you get a different gig at another smaller studio and you, you have those lessons with you and you just 
you learn and you adapt at a rate that I don't think you get if you were in a massive team environment where you are, you know, cog responsible for this tiny bite of this one thing. So I definitely agree with you. I, I, somebody said it better than me. I think it was Neth Nam said it better where if you, especially for students also, if you are just going to class and going home, like you are not getting what you need okay. out of your time. And that applies to online schools too. Like if you are just doing the work and going, I don't know the, like the forum or like just talking a little bit with your teacher, if you're not researching outside of class, if you are not actively seeking inspirations, like seeing how other people are doing things or even finding a, a community to be involved in, to get sort of like aware of the ha happenings in the industry, like there's so much that you're missing out on if you are just doing your classwork and going home. Gotcha. Yeah. How much does that change for you in five years? You know, you being at Blizzard, what was your growth in regards to that? I mean, because here you are a senior animator now. Mm -hmm. How was your growth? Uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about my growth recently, especially because, you know, the five-year milestone it just makes you think. And you're like, <laughs> wow, it's been five years. That's happened. Yeah, what, what are you thinking? Like, so, you know, we all been doing this for, for, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, what, what do you think after five years? Like, I'm trying to reminisce about it. Like, what, what's, what's you thinking? You know, you're talking about your growth. What are you thinking right now? I think that the, the way that I consider development and the way I consider animation's role within development has dramatically changed from when I began. Whereas when I started, I was like really like, I mean, I'm still feisty, but I'm feisty about different things where I'm like this animation, I want it to look like this. And somebody's like, mm, okay, but we need it to look like this. And I'm like, yeah, but this is why this idea is more successful artistically. And they're like, well, that doesn't matter if the gameplay is trash. And so like understanding that it's not solely about like that artistic representation of what I want to create this emotional feel, successful animation is successful, like in games, it's successful when it is serving the gameplay as it needs to serve the gameplay, as well as serving the art of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's living between those two worlds. So when I first started out, I think my, my brain was really focused on my individual task level. Whereas over time, my brain is thinking, I, I think I refer to myself less as an animator and more as I'm a game developer. Rick, which, shout out to Rick. I've heard that yeah. so many times from him. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's so many that's, times from me. For any, uh, I'll throw this really quick. I don't want, uh, and I'll let you continue. For any, no, go ahead. for any animator that's been doing this, right? One, it's as much as we're passionate and creative, you are working in an industry. It's a business, right? First of all, you know, I want to say it's my animation. It's not your animation, okay? It's as, as, as the creative director and the director who's doing a project, right? It's not even mine. It's not even mine, right? It belongs to the studio. It belongs to whoever, Ubisoft, EA, whoever you're working with. Like, I could come up with an idea, but once I bring that idea and I built it and I'm doing it just during working hours, that idea, that IP does not belong to me, right? Mm -hmm. And even though I could be the creative director of it, right? But I think um, when you become a, a game developer, you realize you're, you're not creating these little animations for yourself. You're part of a bigger picture. You're creating an experience for the, for, for the audience. And, and that's what you own is being part of the experience, not, not the animation, not the render, not the rig, not the modeling, mm -hmm. not the whatever, the effects. It doesn't matter. Not the integration. I don't care. The writing, the, you know, because, you know, if you're dealing with uh, writers, you don't own it, right? No one really, no, the company owns it. But as a game developer, you own the experience that millions, hopefully, you know, 10, 20, 30 million people can enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'll leave it like that. That's just my personal thought, you know, my per personal perspective over the years. Yeah, and that, that is exactly where I feel like my my growth has trended it is exactly that direction. And the satisfaction, I think the reason I enjoy animation it, in games so much is something I didn't realize until I was doing it is mm. creating this experience that is not like, and I'm not saying the way I feel about game animation doesn't lessen the way people feel about their work. This is just my take on what I do. Yeah. I don't want anybody to think I'm I don't know. shitting on their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> 
when you <laughs> that's good that's funny <laughs> when you go to a film you watch an animated made a film and you're like wow that was beautiful that was incredible i love this scene maybe like you, you get it you frame through some scenes and you're like that's beautiful art but then when you you are playing a video game you you see and like you watch a movie once twice if you really like it maybe like oh i watched it 10 times i love it so much in a game, you see this, the same things over and over, and every time you use them, it's a different experience. You play a game and you lose it, and you're like, oh, I hate it when that person did that thing. Or maybe you play that character, and then you use that thing, and you win a game, and you're like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And the way that emotions can change with the same animations in different contexts is it's a satisfying puzzle to put those pieces together in a way that makes the players feel like they want to feel while they're playing. Mm. It's like a different way of finding appeal. It's... Uh, I really enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how did you, did you, was that an epiphany? Was that something that you go, okay, what was it that maybe, was it a combination of five years or was it, was there anything that kind of kept sparking that, that kind of got you to that point? Well, the, the, the understanding like, like that replayability and that enjoyment experience factor was something I realized when I was an intern, like you're going to make a flail animation. I was like, mm, okay, I mean, I can, better animation than characters flailing but then when i made this character flail it's like a 15 frame animation and put it in game and made the phoenix unit pick it up and it would be like this and then it would drop it and then pick it up and watching that thing flail over and over again every time i was like yeah yes i did that and even though the animation itself was mundane the experience was incredible mm. and so that was something i realized very early on um, but I think just as my time on the project, especially being with one project for so long, I, the more invested I get in it, you know, I, I get invested in, okay, I really like animation, and then I start playing the game a lot, and then I really like the game. And those are sort of two exclusive interests. Uh. And it's like, well, actually, thinking about it, this is the ways that animation could bolster these ideas, which will be better experiences in the game. And, like, it's these, it's like a puzzle that's like a different type of, of thinking than it is when I'm just creating a scene where it's like fitting these pieces together of how do I, how do I merge these things in a way? It's just, I think the more I know about each of the things, understanding how to intertwine them is uh, something that has just been on my mind over time. And when, in the end, when you're looking at something like a new thing we want to do, like a new event, now you're looking at that from a top down rather than somebody's come up with this idea for an event and like, you're doing this animation you're part of the event planning. You're like, these are all the ways that animation can support this I, an initiative that we want to do. Here's where the puzzle pieces fit. Mm. And then delegating those to other people is where it sort of just That's worked great. out, I guess. Yeah. Now I was listening, uh, actually today, a um, little shout out to a guy I know, Rich Hurry. He's a, uh, just actually left Pixar, but a uh, TD rigger. And, uh, he was just kind of showing some stuff he's been working on and rigging. And the thing that for me as an animator, he kept popping up and saying, you know, doing this, this and that, you know, so for the animator, so they can do, and he kept talking this stuff. And he's like, so for the animator, and one of the things that kind of just struck me was as a rigging TD, everything he was doing was downstream. It was for the, for the animator and the animator's going to take this and now I'll go for the end product here. It wasn't just for the sake of rigging. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was this whole holistic type outlook on things that's kind of what i'm getting from you here where it's mm -hmm. there's an individual aspect of it that we can find uh gratification in but when you look at it holistically i think you're able to produce a lot more and and like you said better in that regards mm -hmm. so yeah. as a senior animator what are some of your roles that you do in in regards to overseeing some of the other artists and things like that um i feel my role in, I don't do a lot of overseeing. We had a lead animator who did more of like the overseeing. I do a little bit of delegation um, now with uh, one of our contract animators. Uh, but my role as a senior animator was sort of, was, is, I'm thinking about like earlier today. What today. Did, <laughs> um, uh, uh, animate heroes, create content for the game, um, and then be an animation vision holder for the pro products that I worked on. Um, most notably, uh, we worked on Orphea, who is one of our, who choose the first original IP character for our franchise, for the Blizzard universe, and being a part of that team. And I think of animators on our team, I didn't do a lot of, 
I did a lot of work. Sorry, I'm like really struggling processing this because I feel like my role changed so much even just in the last year of what I did and who I spoke to that I'm having trouble thinking about it in the context of the animation team. I was there to give feedback. I was there to bounce ideas off of, um, you know, we, uh, the weekly reviews. I would be there to, to give feedback on those. I did presentations on behalf of the art team to the greater team as a whole, and occasionally presentations on the behalf of the heroes team to the company as a whole. Um, but most of my time, I would say I spent cross-discipline, where I think that was like the big distinct difference between my time as an animator versus senior animator, where the animators, I, I think, function often as ambassadors to the other teams. So instead of me just talking with the animators and trying to throwing work out into the void, it's me talking with my designer, with my tech artist, with my engineer, with my UI designer for the heroes that I'm working on, the effects artist, and making sure that all those pieces are working so the piece that we are creating together fits in seamlessly, and then being a point of contact from that team with the animation team to say, this is what we're doing, these are the problems we're solving, how we're solving them, and relaying that to the animation team so that they can hopefully take it to their hero teams as well. That's a great answer, very cool. Now, do you enjoy that aspect of collaboration, or is it like you like to get back to your desk and kind of just animate, or is that process, like you said, putting those pieces of the puzzle together, do you find that very enjoyable? I think it's super enjoyable, especially going into it, uh, the hero's history. My GDC talk was a bit about this, where when I was first on the team, um, our development was very siloed, sort of by like art artists and designers and engineers, and we didn't really do a good job talking to each other. And I feel like the walls, both physical, we had physical walls up that we knocked down, and the emotional <laughs> figurative walls that we knocked down across our team, I feel like... I feel like I contributed a lot to that effort and I feel very proud of, of the team that I work on now and the way we communicate and just live with each other every day, I think is really remarkable. Very cool. Yeah. I, I found that process just wor working more collaborative and producing something as a team has been just very much more enjoyable in that regards. Definitely. I want to, I want to throw something in here. So when you first started and you know, I love throwing this question is when you first started, how 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 were you with receiving feedback compared to how you are now? I feel like I have always been very good at receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you talk to me in my early school, I was less keen on receiving feedback, mostly because I was so frustrated that I was doing these rudimentary exercises that are for for animation plebs, where I should be doing these more advanced things. But then I think when I was in school, I started an organization called Tea Time Animation. And one of the big founding sort of initiatives that we had is studying critique and how to give good feedback, how to gracefully receive feedback and effectively process feedback. Mm. Um, and it was sort of like training our eyes and our brains and our hearts to take that kind of beating that can come from being like, this is something <laughs> I created from me. Yeah. And have somebody be like, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, you know? And so coming into my first job, I feel like I was almost like over eager for feedback where I would put something up and I'd be like, trashed it. And they'd be like, why would I do that? It's fine. It's very effective. And I'd be like, oh, okay, sorry. And I like, wa I wanted more feedback. I was like aggressive about people telling me everything that was wrong when, you know, again, it, the project's not mine. This is not my art. I don't own it at the end of the day. I'm a developer. So if my director is telling me it's fine, even if I want to get better as an artist in that moment and give me the notes, if the notes don't matter, then you paid me to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really, that's really cool because like, like you said, everyone, uh, everyone, and I know most of the time feedback is always something that's hard for a young younger artists and and i remember even myself many uh many years ago only two years ago so i'm still very young um <laughs> why are you laughing that was, that was not a joke that was serious there i am super super like epitome of fresh you. yeah um like you know feedback is hard and i think it's important and that's why i like to ask that question so people all the artists out there regardless of the type of art they do they learn that feedback is a great thing mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. done properly and if received, and obviously, you know, the person giving the feedback is giving 
uh, it's constructive, you know, so. There was, there was a time where like when, when work got really busy, I think, I think making feedback a priority is super important because there were times when we would be super, super busy. Everybody's tied up. We, we never crunched, but like busy enough that people are like headphones on and just focused going. And there was a couple times it was like, I was like so good at getting feedback. And then I remember having a distinct dip in like forgetting to ask because we were just so busy. And I was sort of between, between being very new and somewhat more senior is like figuring I'm independent enough to, to just sort of like blast through it and like you'll be done. But no matter what, I think taking the time to make sure you're getting eyes on your work, I guess most of the time it was like, yeah, it looks great. But twice I was in a polished state and they were like, no, that's the wrong direction. Hmm. And I was like, how's that possible? <laughs> like it, it like broke my brain because I forgot for, to ask. And so now oh. I, again, I, I have on my monitor a post-it that says feedback early and feedback often. Because yep. I, I think it's just, even if you don't think you need it, it's valuable just in case. So let's, let's continue on this feedback. Now, I have a saying that uh, you should surround yourself by at least five people. So if you have five fingers, in, most people have five fingers, you should have at least five people that are, if, if possible, extraordinary, extraordinarily talent and that you can trust and, you know, that can be honest with you. Um, when you get this feedback, do you have like certain people that you like to go for feedback or, or it's just like, or is it like someone, regardless who it is, you just have to go to that person. Like, can you choose to get feedback or do you have feedback? Do you go to your, like those you trust? We had a very small animation team. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there were times very early on when we were even smaller, where I would ping people who were outside of the team to come in and give feedback on my work when I, when I really felt like I wanted it or people, there wasn't time for it otherwise. Um, and I, I definitely agree with that. And if you have the ability to have five people around you who you trust or who like are animator specific and will have the right eye that you want, or you're doing an animation, you're like, I know the combat guy. So I know exactly who to go to about the combat kind of thing. That's definitely awesome. I do think that realizing that feedback can come from anyone, anywhere is also important, especially with yeah. gameplay where somebody can, there could be an engineer playing and they don't have the words to express themselves in an artistic way, in an animation way of saying, oh, the arc was weird. That's why it felt like it was strobing or like, they don't have the terms to tell you, they don't have the right jargon but they can sit there and be like, it felt broken in this one spot. I don't know. It felt like he, there was like a hitch or something. Like I thought it was a frame drop. And then you have to say, okay, why would he think that there's a frame drop there? Oh, and then go through your animation and try and find that feedback, even from people who you wouldn't necessarily consider a valuable resource because in the end, everybody's got eyes. Anybody who's playing the game knows what they want to feel from that. And if you're not hitting it, it's harder to distill that feedback, obviously a little more work on your part, but if you don't have five incredible people for that specific thing at your disposal, I think showing it to anyone is still valuable, like very valuable to a, to a certain degree. And I, I love how you say that because actually there's five on your right hand and then there's five on your left hand. So you have your expert five that are totally mm -hmm. the things you need in your, in your personal life. On the other hand, I actually have five people that doesn't, it could be, they're not, expert it's people i trust and they could be juniors they could be i mean it could be a, a young a young student you know 23 years old out of out of college that i'll, I'll ask well, like hey what do you think because they'll be give an honest mm -hmm. and it could be programmers designers it could be the, the audio you know a, a lot of people know i i love working with the audio team because uh, audio is just another way of directing uh the audience mm -hmm. Um, so I love having the other five. So I have five like go-to guys or, or girls that I trust, you know, I'm like, Hey, and, and some of them like they're juniors, but it says just because they're junior doesn't say their, their, their comments are not valid. They actually mm -hmm. hold up really great because there's also the, the, you know, the age gap. Sometimes there's an age gap, not much, 22 years. We said, um, 
which I love, but then I also have the five, you know, the five people that I trust that have been in the industry super long or you know, the award-winning or whatever, you know, they're like these mm -hmm. five people I know that they, they can hold it at the highest level and, and understand what we're trying to achieve. So I think that's really great what you said and that you're open to that. So congrats on that. So yeah, this is a good I imagine podcast. some of your, uh, skills and be able to give feedback is attributed to you being in your position right now as a senior animator. I think that just, I feel like I felt titles more when I was like an associate. I felt like I would look at titles more and be like, Oh my gosh, that person's a senior. And I'd be like, like intimidated by certain things or, or I have like general like respect more for certain things. And then as I've gone through, my career so far, I think my, my perspective on what titles are and what they mean, they certainly mean something, they're important, but you know, companies work in different ways. And sometimes there's really remarkable people who don't have the title that you would expect mm -hmm. them to have who, who know. And so uh, in my position now, if there's younger people who might see that I'm a senior animator and be like, oh, she's going to be amazing. Um, I like to think that the people who value my and do so because I am very vocal and active in in pushing for transparency and consistency and camaraderie and and um like group learning of the team as a whole and talking to people i when i first started really getting into game that game developer title and wanting to own that trying to introduce myself to one of every discipline like knowing that i would have a point of contact no matter where i had to go so that I could have always have someone to talk to. I think I think is more. I think my team would would like more about me than the fact that I'm a senior. Gotcha. I would hope. <laughs> now she has her fingers crossed for those who can't see. <laughs> like, oh, I love that. That's funny. <laughs> well, I love your enthusiasm about working in games. Um, what is it that excites you, kind of moving forward in the game industry? Is there anything that's kind of you feel like it's on the horizon or um, how it's moving now or just the studio maybe you're at or the team you're with or? That's a good question. I think the things that excite me the most are seeing the ways, like working with a team in a way that is super efficient. I think that there's a lot of horror stories sort of across the industry mm. about people having these terrible experiences at work. And either whether it's like working insane hours or working on a team of people who are very disrespectful in certain ways. And there's, you can find those in any industry, but I feel like, you know, I pay attention to this one. <laughs> and so like hearing those stories from people, it's such a bummer. And so I think the thing that excites me is, is making beautiful art, making performant art and in making great games that are fundamentally fun to play. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I mean, we spend eight, 10 hours a day, five days a week with these people. Like you spend more time with them than you spend with your family often enough. <laughs> and so cultivating healthy work, workplace um, relationships. behaviors, relationships, and generally like that, that, like really digging into that collaborative element and seeing how working together creates an a better project when everybody's passionate and excited to yeah. be there. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the thing that excites me the most. Very cool. Um, anything in particular about heroes of the storm that you've enjoyed working on? Uh, gotta be hands down Orphea. Um, who is again, she's our, our original IP hero that we created who was released at, at uh, BlizzCon this last year. Mm -hmm. She was so much fun to work on because she was brand new and like the, like adding to the history of Blizzard, which has like massively iconic characters. People yeah. have like crazy nostalgia for Warcraft and Starcraft and Diablo in like intense ways. <laughs> and so it's been very fun to try and interpret people's nostalgic feelings into gameplay, but creating something that will hopefully be a new nostalgia hit for the next generation of Blizzard fans, I think was an incredible experience from trying to find a unique silhouette and like unique art style that isn't seen not just within heroes, but within blizzard in general, which I think we really nailed um, to, again, we were with a, a new 
team structure at the time in figuring out how to best work with each other, best practices for prototyping, prototyping in specific ways. Um, all of it really came together in a way that was awesome, uh, which was not easy at times. There were definitely times where it felt like we were supremely struggling mm. and it was super disheartening, especially because there was so much pressure to get it right. And in the end, all of us are like, like we still end all of our meetings with like a team cheer being like, yeah, uh, so, like, we, get, we, we really love each other. We have a really fantastic um, environment. Awesome. Now, um, I think I was watching something kind of in prep for the podcast, but there was that term freedom to create characters and such. So as a game developer, do you get a lot of that freedom to do that with something like this, to, to have a, a say in the character, how they develop and, and play and things of that nature? Yeah, I think especially on the heroes team, like our art director is fantastic, but he definitely has like a very far away view and certain things he'll get very passionate about and he'll kind of get down in the weeds about very specific things. But like largely that was one of the things that shocked me the most about joining this team because I was ready for somebody to be like, you know, make your arc two degrees broader on the nose of the character. Like I was ready for nitpicky stuff like that. And instead it's like, oh, uh, you're going to do this character. And I'm like, great. What do I know about them? They're like, uh, they're kind of laid back. Like, what should you do? They're like, you tell me. <laughs> and so like a lot of time to experiment, like it really feels like everything I've ever touched is adding my take to mm. what I've done because the characters as a whole, like almost every character I've animated for the game, I've animated in, t in its entirety. So I'm not even like splitting that vision with somebody else mm. for Orpheus specifically. I, I mean, I was there with the concept artist, the designer and our creative content director figuring out who she was. And some of that was because of the way I wanted to pose her. Mm. And some of that was the way our effects artists wanted to generate these things. Very and cool. it really, it feels like an incredible amount of ownership. Or even yeah. something like, like working on Junkrat, which obviously from Overwatch originally, making that in our game and making the interesting experience of like, almost like a master copy where somebody's done this amazing animation. I get to see sort of how they did that. Mm. Um, and like try and, try and recreate it because it's in, we don't copy and paste animations. It's like reanimating everything for heroes mm. and then finding, okay, what moments, what would I add to Junkrat that his doesn't already exist there? And so gotcha. I got to add him, like, if he uses his concussion mines, he strikes little poses in the air rather than just getting hit by them because he, <laughs> he's doing it on purpose. So he does cute little things like that and, like, uh. how he summons a mount and how he recalls back to base. It's um, lots, of, uh, lots of cool moments to really feel like – I'm going into the game. Ownership there, yeah. How was uh, Orphea received, just out of curiosity? Um, I would, I want to say overall very positive. There is the initial hit of people being like, what the heck? Hashtag not my blazard. Like, where's, <laughs> where's these other characters that I've been waiting for for the entire game? Um, but uh, mostly, like, even, even, uh, even the haters – She's fun. She is Very cool. fun to play. And so even if you're like, I really wanted, you know, insert random character from any Blizzard universe here. Uh, the second you like get, if you like ranged assassin characters, like she was fun to play and fun. Like when you kill her, you're like, yeah, you deserve that. <laughs> um, any other favorite characters you've got to work on that you've really just enjoyed? Yeah. Or she just it. No, I mean, she's sort of like the culmination of a lot of things yeah, I learned. Okay. I talk about her a lot. I've animated a ton of characters now. I really, um, I really love animating Dahaka because he's a big monster, which is sort of like. Goes back to your yeah, creature things. Back yeah. To that. And then back to back, I was animating him at a time where we, I, was, I think I animated him in four weeks, maybe five. Wow. Um, and then it's like I finished him and the next day I started Chromie who was like his cutesy gnome character. And my boss at the time, he sat down and he was like, sort of was pushing for like a different vision of what he thought the Heroes of the Storm animation team could be. And he kind of sat down and gave me like this big pep talk because I wasn't gonna be there when he pitched it. And so he gave me this big pep, pep talk and he said, I think Chromie is going to be like the 
pinnacle. Like I want her to be the example of everything I want the Heroes animation team to be. And I would animate her myself if I could, but I can't. You're animating her. So I need you to not fuck it up. <laughs> and I was like, great, sure. And I've like never animated like cartoony animation. Like I like there's so much that was so new to me, but he was really patient with me and helped me a ton with like getting some like classic tune timing with like jump holds and um in the end, I'm, I feel very proud of, of, of what I did there. You've got to, it sounds like, just animate a variety of different t- characters and styles, and um, which sounds like a blast for that reason. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely, like, monsters from the Hakka, like, sort of, like, two-legged, or de- definitely six, two legs, four arms sometimes, because he regrows them when he evolves. Mm. Um, or, like, Zagara, who's got, like, eight legs two like raptor arm kind of things to like very stoic militant people mm. to like a stoic military guy with a crazy alien arm like it, yeah it's it's luxurious i think as, <laughs> as, a, as an animator to work on the game very nice has your workflow changed throughout the years um a- yeah i think i shoot more reference okay. <laughs> i don't always shoot reference like when I was animating monsters a lot in university, I studied a lot of reference from like, this monster's kind of a fish, but kind of, kind of a dog or something. And I would like watch a lot of dogs and watch a lot of fish. But now even for like things that don't actually exist, I, I, I do a lot of reference just like with my hand and timings mm. of things just to try and get things down. Um, I shoot a lot of reference with myself just like in pieces where I'm like, this person's going to hoist something heavy. And how is that actually going to, hit the rest of the body. If I lift this heavy thing, what is this other arm doing? And how is my torso shifting to get that feeling of like weight and just sort of referencing little beat. Um, and I, I probably do a ton more sketching also. Okay. So rather than like wasting a ton of time trying to like, just like go through and like do an animation to have it fail. It's like do a couple of quick drawings of what I want my main poses to be and be like, yeah, that seems reasonable. Nice. Very nice. Um, any hobbies you enjoy to kind of unwind, just out of curiosity? Um, well, Breath of the Wild right now still taking over my heart on the stage. Right. Um, uh, I do, I, I did work out for a long time. I did high intensity interval training for a long time. Okay. And then I uh, did powerlifting sort of, um, but I hurt my knee. And so, and I used to ride my bike, Clancy, for <laughs> So you named your bike? Name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just call it my bike. It's always my bike, Clancy. He's right. Hopefully you don't yeah. ever have to put it down. Yeah. <laughs> Dark, I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to put Clancy uh, down. But uh, yeah, after, after the knee injury, I was training for a marathon to run with my dad, um, uh. which was his 60th marathon for his 60th birthday and the last one he was ever going to run. And two weeks before the marathon, I blew my knee out. Oh, uh, wow. I dislocated my hip and broke my knee. Uh, and it's sort of been broken ever since, which is really brutal. Wow. And so now my hobbies are physical therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I like to cook. Um, oh, graphic design is sort of like my, my side, my heart, my side hustle for my heart. Very cool. Um, at work, pretty much any time we finish a milestone, I find myself designing like a shirt for us. And then I'm like, does anybody want to buy these with me? And then we just make sure it's for ourselves Killer. Um, a lot. So those are definitely. What, what a, yeah, but like, you know, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, you're very involved with uh, GDC and mm-hmm. like, like how much time does that take? I'm just curious, like how much, you know, because I, you know, we, when we were there, you know, I just came just you know, do my thing, help out and just, you know, help out and support the community. But you were busy. Like, you didn't even want to talk to me. You're like, yeah, I sure. did. I was. No, no, no. I, I, can't, I feel the love. I was like, hey, how you doing? I had a smile. And all. you were like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hello. And like, just sweating. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, that this past UDC was the busiest and most stressed out I might have ever been in my life. Which really? Was too much. I guess I didn't think about it as a hobby. <laughs> um, but on um, besides my work at Blizzard, I also, I now, 
this past year was my second year running the animation boot camp at GDC, which is, is with Mike Jungbluth. Mike Jungbluth yeah. passed it off to me two years ago. Oh wow! Okay, and he it was one of our early early podcasts. Oh, yeah. wonderful! Probably like six or so, I don't know exactly, but right around there. That so yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, like awesome. three years ago at GDC, it was his fifth one doing it, and then we were out getting a beer afterwards. I was at the bar, and he kind of comes up and he goes, "Hey," and I go, "What's up, man?" He goes. Do you want to take over the boot camp next year? And then I cried. <laughs> um, and I was like, I guess I'll think about it. Yes. Um, and so I, I did the boot camp the last two years, which is really cool. That's awesome. And as a part a great of the job. Camp, a great job you're doing, I have to say. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Um, and then it's actually right here. Sorry, I'm going to do this weird thing. You can see like how much of a dweeb I am as a gift. I had a friend of mine. I was so emotional uh, in 2018 when I saw it. The GDC tweeted at me. And I was like, why did they tweet at me? And they tweeted the picture of me. Oh, awesome. And I had a friend print this out for me for my birthday in 2018 because <laughs> I just talked about it. It's the tweet that GDC posted Killer. the first year that I ran the Innovation Bootcamp. That's awesome. It's really a nerdy thing to have, but it is a prized possession of mine. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and then part of the animation bootcamp is the animation micro talks, which feel like my real baby, which I've been running for four years, which is 10 speakers over the course of one hour. And we all talk it, not. Hmm? And they're all hitting kind of tips and tricks, things like that. Um, no, they talk not about the point of it is not to talk about the process of animating, but the culture and the community and the quirks oh. that surround the animation industry and what it's like to be involved in it. And Very so cool. I try and get people from a variety of different backgrounds and fields. And so we will have journalists who focus, who I happen to notice talk a lot about animation in their articles and we'll have AAA and indie and people who are new to the industry and people who've been around for 20 years and animators from film and just try and get a variety of perspectives to get a unique kaleidoscope of yes awesome um, that's fantastic and so they they talk all about under one theme where the first year was perspective and the second year was community and the third year was failure excuse me failure and this last year was yeah and this last year was creative voice and so that's like my baby and then aside from that i also uh, run Tea Time Animation, which is an organization for students that helps them navigate the waters of their student career, help understand what it takes to become a professional in their desired industry, and hopefully find purchase in that industry once they graduate. <laughs> You're busy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, this la this but last GDC was crazy because I didn't really think about it leading up to it, but I was speaking four times. I was running the 48-hour animation jam the weekend prior. Wow. Um, and uh, what's it called? I had a talk on the Saturday before GDC as well. And that All that and look at how much enthusiasm you still have about it. I love it. That's fantastic. I still like She's working. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is tattooed on actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, any other questions you got, Rick, before we close out here? Yes, one last question. What will be next year's topic for the Micro Talks? That is a great question. And I <laughs> had some things brewing already because I have problems. Because <laughs> they ended and I'm like, I'm already thinking about next year. Um, but that's a secret. Oh. Until next GDC. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Anything that we could do to help promote it at all? Uh, the boot camp or anything? I mean, anything we're around the- doing, Just out of curiosity, I mean, students, uh, where's it at typically? Is it- um... uh, Sure, yeah. The uh, GDC is in San Francisco. Okay. And um, it is, it's tough because it's so expensive, but you can be a conference associate, which is a voluntary role. It's not volunteer anymore, it's paid. So if you are an international student, you're pretty much out of luck. Um, but if I was a conference associate for five years, it's the best. It's sort of like how I met Mike and Tim and all those group of guys. Um, so that's a fantastic way to experience it. If you want to go, it's typically on the Monday all day. But more importantly, the Animation Exchange, which is on in partnership between uh, Anim State and Tea Time Animation, uh, is on the Tuesday in GDC 
uh, and it is in partnership with Twitch, so it's free, it's online, it's like mm. 10 hours long or something like that, awesome. and it's all recorded, and if you go to amstake.com, you can actually go and see all the past years ready That's to go soul. whenever you want to check it out. There's tons of GDC-style GDC presentational learning with some of the zaniness that comes along with being on a platform like Twitch. So that's cool. definitely worth checking out. Man, very, awesome. very cool. Well, I've seen you online. I knew, uh, I think I probably saw one of your Twitch things and you just seemed very enthusiastic about animation. And I was just, we always love having guests like you on here. It just makes it a lot of fun. And I, I know people love hearing from you, people like you. So very much appreciate your time. And uh, hope we'll have to get you in on another podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for the invitation. I had a lot of fun. Very cool. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.